Well, the more they try to cover the stuff up, <clears throat> the less effective it is. Yep. And by the way, I am going live on TikTok, on, on YouTube. So let's be careful about certain topics. We'll use euphemisms. Euphemisms. And, I mean, when I say J&J &J vaccine, I should say something and don't, else. Don't criticize the vaccine. Exactly. Even the ones that the government took off the market? Yeah, even. Let's be, well, let's just be very careful on that. <clears throat> All right. It's one of those issues that um, is, uh, you know, it's not allowed. Okay. All right, here we are. Michael D. Shaw is here. Charles Moskowitz, thanks for joining me, everyone. Um, I usually do the program Monday through Friday, 12 to 1 p.m., and I do special editions like this one, which I'm doing every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Uh, Michael, how are you? Hey, just fine. And by the way, for those of you watching this that don't think it's 2 p.m., just set your clocks to 2 now. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, so the... Um, we can discuss the uh, the virus and the uh, the the remedy, which is a vaccine, with very with very great care because um, care. yeah, you you can't criticize it. it it's not. Whoops. I mean, you're... whoops. And let me just YouTube is TikTok is doing some funny business here. Um, it, it's kind of not allowed. But let me just say for the record that I am having my second dose on Friday. Well, good of the Pfizer and. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a personal choice. It's something that I've I've weighed and measured many factors, and um, and I'm going forward with it, even though I'm nervous, obviously, about it, as anyone should be and is. Um, but um, you know, I mean, people in my family have done it. Everyone seems fine. Um, you know, I think that I'm old enough and I have a strong enough immune system that you know probably my risk is less. I also take a lot of vitamins and I, I, I go, I, I'm in better shape than I've been in years. And, uh, you know, I mean, I just, you know, hope for the best. I mean, you just have to bite the bullet. Well, you actually look better when I first met you uh, in the uh, 1980s. So I don't know what the hell you're doing, but it's. Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, I am more, more health conscious. You know, I, I exercise, I better diet, you know, try to do things. I, you know, this might seem like a simple thing, but. I actually spend a good deal of time breathing very carefully every day. Breathing, okay. Yeah, I mean, as, you know, it sounds simple. I, I, I saw this uh, short story of this guy who back in the 19th century, early 19th century, he had been given a, a diagnosis of, of only having a, a short time to live. He was in very poor health. And so he decided that he would spend the rest of his life going out into the wilderness and hooking up with Native Americans and kind of going Indian, which by the way, is something I think a lot of people did back then. Yeah. And so he did, and he ended up befriending them and they taught him methods to get healthier. And the basic message that they gave him was to spend a good deal of time every day breathing. Up one nostril, down the other, then reverse, up and down the other. And to breathe deeply into all of your extremities, feel it into your toes and into the tips of your fingers, and make sure that you are fully oxygenated. And so he started to practice this. He ended up living another 40 years. He became very healthy. And, uh, you know, it's kind of also something that's fairly well known among the Eastern um, cultures. And, you know, it seems simple, but I think it, there's a lot to that, you know, to just take the time to fully oxygenate every day you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's free. It, you know, it's like, it's a totally zero risk. That's and there are things that are so available to us. You know, I, I, um, I remember years ago, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I had acid reflux and I was really, you know, trying to figure out what to do, especially since I was doing talk radio. And so I went to the hospital here and I got a prescription and I took the prescription probably for maybe the better part of four or five months and it kind of worked, you know, it sort of helped, yeah. but I didn't totally feel great. And I knew there was something not right. And so finally I got around to reading the fine print and doing a little research. And I discovered that there's some really nasty side effects to this. The protein pump inhibitors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, that, that it does something to your bones. I mean, it's like really serious things. And so I came across this guy, Joe Barton, who offers health products. And he's very good. And he, um, 
you know, he basically says that there are things you can buy at your grocery store, you know, regular food that actually cures different ailments. And he issues a, a, a monthly report, you know, really good guy. He actually sponsored me for a while. And he said that he got into it because his father had suffered from serious acid reflux. And he discovered that the simple remedy was to have an apple. And that if you really apple had, yeah. And if you really had serious problems, apple cider vinegar, particularly Bragg's apple cider yeah. vinegar and, and or, you know, uh, unprocessed raw honey in tea. And so I started doing that and it worked. You know, I mean, it's not a hundred percent, but it costs me nothing to buy a bag of apples. I would probably get that anyway. And if I'm feeling somewhat acidic, I'll cut up an apple and have an apple. And so, I mean, I guess I'm bringing this up to point out that, you know, when it comes to managing your health, I'm not against conventional medicine. I'm not against vaccines. I'm not against, uh, you know, the usual, you know, certainly not against surgery if you need it. But there are alternatives. There are normal, common sense things you can do. And I'm not talking about some crackpot guru stuff either. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying go out and start to, um, you know, put on a turban and start, you know, chanting Maharasha. I'm talking just really normal, basic. Not that there's anything wrong with that, by the way. Um, you know, I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, normal conventional things that you can get at the grocery store. An orange, for example, very well may have a beneficial agent to reduce your likelihood of getting cancer. Yeah. You know, and other citrus fruits. Not taking a vitamin C pill, but actually having fruit. Grapefruit in particular is supposed to be very good. Now I'm not here to attest to this in I'm not a doctor, but I'm simply mentioning it because, you know, somebody who is the wise steward over their own life. You want to consider all possibilities and you want to develop some certain healthy habits. You know, in the time of virus, I go out every day and I have a pretty long walk so that not only did I get cardiovascular, but I also get direct sunlight in my face. And in my, you know, and I usually unbutton my shirt a little, I try to expose myself to the sun. Yeah. Because if you do that every day for about a half an hour, you're going to absorb the sunlight that, that kills viruses. And I think that yeah, I mentioned vitamin, the, D. vitamin D, especially if you're up in my part of the country in Boston, because everyone up here has a little bit of a, um, a deficiency of vitamin D. And I've heard it speculated that one of the reasons why African-Americans are more vulnerable to the virus is because be due to the increased melanin in their skin, they need extra time to get sun. Because, you know, when you, the darker your, your skin tone, the more time you need, you know, it, it protects you from sun. You know, there's something about that. So stay out of maybe another 10 minutes, you know, and get a little extra sun. But either way, the natural rays of the sun are the best thing to do to kill viruses. So what's on your mind today? Well, <laughs> I have to be very careful about uh, what we talk about. But uh, Let's be very careful in certain areas where we yeah. have to... Uh, One of the vaccines uh, has been suspended by right. the FDA and the CDC. That's right. And I think that's been in the paper. If the so Boston, I think we can talk about that. Well, if, even then, I mean, the Boston Globe talks about it. That doesn't mean we can talk about it. That's right. That's right. But, so let's be careful. Yes. I mean, I think that um, there have been reportedly six cases no, of, blood clots. of blood clots and there's been one death. That is not me saying that. That's the Boston Globe. OK, you can't get more liberal establishment than the Globe. The globe is an embarrassment when it comes well, to Well, even more liberal outlets than that have uh, memorialized this. And I think that um, there's a couple of reasons for that. Let's be careful here. Yes. Let's not, we're treading on very thin ice. Even though, Mike, you're a chemist, you've been a, a writer of health, you're a health reporter going back a decade, you've written over a thousand articles and you've got yes. credentials. We still have to be, we have to tread very carefully. 
Well, we are training very carefully because we. Right. Uh, the question that comes up is why now and why this one? And um, well, we, I mean, I mean, I don't know if we have an answer to that, but um, well, I have a speculative answer. Should um, we share it? I mean, I don't know. You know, let no, me. No, I, I will be within the YouTube guidelines. I'm pretty confident. You know something? I think that maybe we should direct people to an article that they can read about this. I don't know if I feel comfortable. Oh, all right. Like, you know, I just don't want to. You know, all right. Be purged by whoever these these Gestapo agents who are purging people right now. So I don't want to give that. I don't want to hand it to them. You know what I mean? Well, speaking and, of Gestapo, yeah, uh, uh, there's a very promoted story on multiple media about uh, apparently some guy in the UK um, who was in a hotel and um, got into some issue with the front desk of the hotel for not wanting to wear a mask. So he went back to his room and then was uh, pursued by the uh, local gendarme. Uh, and they actually, there's a video of them breaking down his door, so. At a hotel? Yes. Uh, what did they do? Well, I mean, he was- uh, Was he arrested for this? I believe so, you know, this was, uh, so that's, you know, that's your now present- Yeah, I mean, this is what's going on. I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, vi we talked about this, I think last week, this viral video of this, uh, this uh, priest who, who kicked out the police in Canada, that's making right. rounds. I mean, get out Gestapo, get out, you know, you Nazi yeah. psychopaths, you're not going to come into my, my service. And, uh, I, you know, there are some videos out there more on TikTok than on YouTube, showing people, you know, suddenly announcing I that this one people is this couple go went into a grocery store. And they started I think it was in Florida. Yeah. And they demanded that people put on the mask. And they're like, look, if you don't feel comfortable here, you can leave. We're not doing it. And they're like, oh, yes, you are. And all of a sudden, the whole store started to change. Out, 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 <laughs> out. <laughs> so, you know. Well, there was think, a similar one. There was a yeah. uh, restaurant. I don't know where it is. And the video actually may have been on YouTube of a health inspector coming in. And by popular acclaim of the patrons of this uh, restaurant or bakery, whatever it was, was unclear. Uh, they chanted them out. So that's uh, what people are doing. They're, they're yeah, I think I've, seen, I've seen that one too. They were in a bar, yeah. Like, you know, and and all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, you don't like it? Out!" You yeah. know, this is yeah. our our deal here, and everybody suddenly starts to chime in. You know, look, I'm not here to either endorse or not endorse the wearing of the mask. Um, you know, I wear it when I go into a store, you know, because in Massachusetts you have to, and I probably would anyways, because I don't, yeah. I actually do think that I don't want to get um, droplets on me. I don't know who's there. I actually kind of am. Yeah. I've always, I've never liked crowds anyways. I think there are actually some good things that are coming out of this. Like, I don't think we need to be handshaking so much and backslapping strangers, especially, but anybody, you know, those are customs that probably will change. You know, we can you can acknowledge somebody with a, with a little bit of a bow. You know, there's probably a reason why those are customs in Asian countries. You know, because there probably does is connected with the spread of viruses and germs. So I don't actually have a problem with that, but I, I I'm not comfortable with mandates, of course. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, I think it's it's somewhat ludicrous when I see people wearing it when they're outside and alone or in a car. I mean, this is, don't forget, I live in Boston. So we have some real, you know, loony, you know, loony. It's very strict. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they put, and, and the double masks, you know, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's um, overly fearful. And it actually. Now, would they wear these masks if the, in the combat zone, if it still existed? I wonder. <laughs> I don't know. That's been driven out of town a long time ago, but um, <laughs> the, you know, you, you do see, I mean, you see people who are just so fearful and, and timid and, you know, and, and, you know, even if you take a look at the CDC guidelines, they don't say to do that. I mean, they say they've now changed it to say three feet, not when you're like walking down the street and there's someone on the other side of the street who doesn't have a mask and all of a sudden you're having an apoplexy. 
You know, it's like people are really, you know, it's like it's beyond reason. So sure, I carry the mask when I'm outside. I have it near me. So if I see somebody coming and they're uncomfortable, I'll put, I'll hold it up, you know, or something. Yeah, I mean, these people that are wearing these gator masks, uh, they look like they're ready to rob a stagecoach. By the way, this has done something, I would imagine, for bank robbery, hasn't it? <laughs> you put on the mask. I mean, they don't know who you are. I don't recognize anyone. You know, you can't, you have to. Oh, you have to know someone very well, and they can't cover up too much of their eyes, mm. or you really won't be able to tell. Now, the bar, the, uh, I watch Lester Holt, so you don't have to. Oh, how do you and do this? Because it's, I, I then know what they're thinking, and I know what oh. they're doing. It gives me an insight into what the, you know, the illuminated establishment is saying on a given day. Um, and they had someone on, an expert, and they, I, she couldn't even keep a straight face, saying that the mask is l reducing allergies and, and, and exposure to pollen, and that they're getting these reports saying that this year allergic cases have gone way down. I don't believe that for a moment. Uh, neither do I. But what that tells me is that they're setting it up so the people are going to, the mask ain't going to go away anytime soon. I mean, I know I'm, maybe I'm getting a little conspiratorial here. I put on a tin hat, but when I watch stuff on Lester Holt, I take that to, as smoke signals from the establishment, what it is that they're pushing now, whether it be atrocity propaganda about the virus itself, or whether it be this, I think they're introducing this as something that's going to become normal. That, and in a way, and again, I want to be careful here, it could possibly be equated with the practices of a certain Eastern religion, or maybe I should say Middle Eastern religion, yes. particularly the women who will do practices like this with the covering of the face. Now, I'm not mentioning the name of- Well, it certainly would have the quote unquote unintended consequence of limiting uh, human interaction, yeah. which I, I really believe is part of this uh, for whatever nefarious reason. And um, the other thing too, is that the teachers unions are kind of playing their hand uh, pretty openly mm. that uh, apparently they'll never want to go back to work. I mean, why should they? Right. Paid anyway. And uh well, they're probably, you know, they're doing, besides the ideological aspect of that, they're doing what unions do in that they, whatever they do, they want concessions, they want benefits, they want money, they want power, you know, they'll, they'll come back, you know, it's like the teach, like the police union in Boston would not allow for some very basic things that, that make sense, unless they got money, unless they got a raise, unless they got another, you know, whatever they, they're looking for. So, I mean, that's what unions do. That's collective bargaining. I'm not, you know, it, it, it's extreme when, when a union becomes so powerful and the teachers unions are that. I mean, they almost have a monopoly nationally. The National Education Association, the one in New York, there's two big ones. Yeah. That they can make these absolutely absurd demands. Well, now uh, Randy Weingarten is blaming the Jews. Yes, I saw that. What's that about? What do you mean she's blaming the Jews? Well, uh, uh, apparently <laughs> that... Uh, we get blamed for everything, but what is this deal? Well, I mean, it's even more stupid when it's a Jew blaming the Jews. Yeah, but, but, but well, that's the worst kind. Anyway, what is the deal? Well, I mean, I guess the idea is that all these uh, horrible Jews uh, want uh, their kids to go back to school, and they're all elitists. Really? Yes. Oh, like non-Jews don't want their kids to go back to school? First of all, it's like what the hell? Well, you know, the Jews have always been the people of the book. I, I mean, mean that's, that's like completely another. illogical. I mean, everybody yeah. wants a kid to go back to school. Well, no, but I mean, why not pick on the Jews? Oh, my uh, God. That's, that's insane. Everybody else does. So Yeah, what the hell? That's, <laughs> I mean, the, the logic of that, though, I mean, is... I mean, it's not, it's not like they're saying that the Jews are in, in you know, being bankers. It's not some nutty conspiracy theory, but... It's worse. It's one that doesn't even have a semblance of anything you could hang your hat on. I mean, that's just crazy. Well, you know, she's throwing raw meat out to whoever is whoever the, this. Yeah, whoever's right. Maybe I don't know some members of Congress. I don't know. What, whatever ethnic group uh, might be uh, anti-Semitic, I won't 
mention what that ethnic group might be, but. Uh, or whatever ideology might be anti-Semitic, yeah. but we won't mention them either. Um, <laughs> we won't so, mention anything. We can't really mention much now, can we? Yeah. We have to speak in indirection. We have to, in a way we've been forced to speak the language of the left. We're speaking in, in tongues here. Yeah, indirection, double words, double you know, meanings, layers of, of, of sophistry. You know, it's what uh, French scholar Elaine Beniscon referred to it as the language of totalitarianism. You know, if you listen to the way, I mean, a classic example of this would be Obama, right? He would give this brilliant speech where he would say nothing that you could actually identify. It was all this kind of flowery, euphemistic, and you, you hear it and you're thinking, Oh, he's so smart. This yeah. is great. Yeah. And then I'm stupid because I don't kind of do this. But the fact is he says very, very little. And the and he says a lot of things that do mean something to certain people. And they know what he's talking about. They know what he's getting at. The code words. Yeah. And and so so now because of the censorship, we've been reduced to using similar language. And, you know, I mean, the, the, the conservative approach is the opposite. I mean, the perfect example of the opposite is, is Donald Trump. You can't get more direct, more simple, more clear, more honest than him. Not that he doesn't tell a white lie here and there, but the point is that, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, mince words. He's, he's blunt. He's brutal. He doesn't speak with a phony British accent. You know, it goes back in a, you know, this is this, this elitist kind of tongue they use. So we're now reduced to some of that, unfortunately. And maybe we'll have to develop our own system of code words and signals so that we can all communicate publicly without being completely purged. Yeah, well, I mean, this code word thing uh, reminds me of the story of the uh, uh, many, many years ago. Uh, this guy, uh, was sentenced to uh, a term in Leavenworth. And uh, his uh, cellmate uh, yells out, 31! And everybody starts laughing. And then he says, how about 53? And everybody laughs even harder. So the, the, the new uh, rookie says, well, what is this all about? Well, you know, we tell jokes in prison. We got to the point that mm. we just, you know, have numbers that refer to those jokes and everybody remembers it. Why don't you try it? So the, the new guy says, 29. Nobody laughs. Nobody laughs. Mm. Then he, he tries. All right. All right. What about 64? And again, nobody laughs. And the rookie turns to the other, his cellmate says, I don't know, what did I do wrong? He said, you know, I can't help you. Some people tell jokes better than others. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, we can now have codes for the arguments uh, that uh, dare not speak in, in, yeah. in words. So, yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, um, you know, I, I basically, I, I, oh, the other story that's come out. And again, this is 60 Minutes. This isn't some right wing, you know, fringe. This isn't parlor, you know, this isn't uh, Gab. They had a scientist, this guy Halpern. I don't know if you saw this, who works for the Pentagon, who is saying that we're experimenting with implants and chips. Yeah. It can determine perpetually whether or not someone is exposed to viruses. Now, this is what conservatives have been saying for a long time. People like me, you know, the tin hat, you know, that they're going to implement a chip. Well, you know, again, for you YouTube fascists out there, this is not me. This is 60 Minutes. You can check it for yourself. Last Sunday, it was a segment by which they actually interviewed this guy who was in the Pentagon at a lab with this experiment. And he showed the, uh, I think it was uh, Scott Pelley. He showed him the actual thing, the mechanism that they will uh, plan to implant in people and apparently have already been doing so with animals. So, you know, this is a real story. This is a real well, I mean, The other thing was when Alex Jones suggested over a year ago that something like a vaccine passport might exist, 
He was oh, yeah. by everybody. And uh, lo and behold, you know. Well, there's a the community, I think, in California that's right now has a pilot program yeah. with that. I mean, so yeah, this, and it, just as a little side thought, I'll, and I'll toss this out there without too much elaboration, but if, if, if they're pushing the idea of people having a vaccine passport, why can't people have a voter ID? Well, actually, that question has been raised, uh-huh. um, and but never answered. Um, right. I think the the answer, the official answer, is racism. I see. So then, black people won't have to have a um, a, a a passport for for COVID. Then, I well, mean, no, why, why would it be racist to ask a black person to have an ID for voting and not for COVID? Uh, because I say so. I mean, I just wonder what the logic, I mean, the whole thing obviously is the farce. I mean, now speaking of which, and again, let's be careful here. No one's more careful than me. No one's more, oh yes. Well, I I, I do a TikTok video every day. And you're careful and they still come off. And I'm careful. And in fact, right now I'm live streaming on TikTok and I've actually built up you know, pretty good audience there. I've got almost 10,000 followers. Wow. Okay. And it's, it's interesting, you know, when, when I, I, I do a live stream, I could sit down during my walk, turn on the live stream. And all of a sudden there's about 50 people there and we, I communicate, I could talk, answer questions, you know, through text. And I did one yesterday that was taken down because of hate speech. Not that I hate well, it. Isn't it ironic though, that you're popular because you're not willing to be censored but yet they'll take it off. Right. And I, I mean, have a feeling I'd be a lot more popular if I wasn't being shadow banned there too. Oh, there's, there's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, I'd the probably reason, have like a million followers. The reason opinion. you have these followers is people are expecting, at least in the short term, to, to see something that's a little more interesting content, even though they know it's probably going to be taken off. Could be. You know, but it, this particular one, I mean, and I've, I've done some controversial TikToks. I say pretty much whatever I want. Yeah. And I'm usually not taken off, although there's been a few that have. But this but now one. Now you're getting better known. So maybe they're watching you. Suddenly it's like it's on their radar. But this one was very strange because I was talking about the two instances that we all know about that are leading to uh, Black Lives Matter and other leftist groups looting black neighborhoods and burning black you know businesses and, and allegedly allegedly, allegedly. and th- well they are i mean and, and they're threatening to do so if they don't get their way on the uh, george floyd trial well now they're going to have the trial of this uh, other one yeah and, but 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 the but what i all i said was this i said look and i'll try to say this in a way i don't want to get taken down on tiktok on tiktok and I'll stop you if I think you're you're going. Thank you. Yeah, let, let me know. Well, we, we should have like a button or something, right? Is, I've noticed that, by the way, speaking of which, just to get a little diverted here, I've noticed that on, uh, on YouTube now, when anybody uses the F word to describe the last election, yes, there's a, there's a little buzz. They don't say it. It's like, it's almost a, I mean, I don't have, I'm not, I'm not sophisticated enough, I'll be honest to edit my videos and to splice. I don't do that, I just go. But people do and they, they, they you see like a little a little blank with that word because that's forbidden. But anyway, yeah. back to what's going on. I said, I said, look, in, in these two cases, the people involved were resisting arrest or they weren't even willing to get out of the car. And that we hear a lot of talk from people about, and I've seen a lot of people interviewed on this, it's kind of a meme, that if you're black in the United States or you're a person of color, you instruct your children, particularly your male children at a certain age, you give them what they call the talk, right? This is the way things are. You have to be- I thought that was a TV show with a bunch of yentas. (laughs) Yeah, oh, that was the, yeah, I know the one you mean. You, you know, you have to be careful because, because the cops might be racist and you could get in trouble and people right. can pull right. you over and, you know, driving while black. And I understand that. And I said that in the video, I guess. Supposed if you're a, t- a white kid and 
and, and give some back talk to a cop, then nothing will happen to you at all. Well, well, the point is, if you're a white kid and you live in one of these left-wing, predominantly wealthy, suburban, lily-white neighborhoods, you probably don't have to worry about this. But if you are Black, yeah, you might have an issue. You have to carry yourself in a certain way. I think that's true. But what I suggested was that if they're going to have that, that talk, they might consider mentioning to their young son and even daughter that if you are pulled over, don't resist an arrest. Because if you do, you're going to risk your life more so than if you don't. Yes, it's scary. Yes. It, and if the, by the way, if the cop is racist and pulling you over because I don't like you because you're black, that's all the more reason not to resist arrest because you're going to be even at bigger risk if, if you do. And that's all I said, nothing more and nothing less. Now, I think that somebody didn't like that. And I ended up getting that video taken down. I mean, somebody didn't like it. You're, you're hitting the hot button. But the other thing that's never discussed, never discussed, is this isn't anything new. Uh, there was the Rampart scandal in LA when I still lived there. This is back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And it, long story short, what had happened was there are a bunch of people uh, in the police department out of that uh, station that got promoted uh, just flat out. It was affirmative action in that not only is a race thing, there are people who are felons that were promoted uh, uh, to uh, high rank within that particular station. And surprise, surprise, there was all kinds of problems, all kinds of problems. And what they were doing is eliminating standards. And in the case of Minneapolis, the Chauvin character had a terrible record, should have been kicked out before. And by the way, as a little sidebar, I think it was District Attorney Amy Klobuchar who gave him a pass. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that that's the old story. Yeah. But but you're 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 right about that. Now, this uh, woman, supposedly a 26-year veteran, mm -hmm. uh, with this cock and bull story about she mistook a, a gun for a taser, taser yeah. uh, which is ludicrous if you look at the video. If she did do that, uh, she was severely mentally impaired or something. And the subject that's never going to be raised, by the way, although she resigned, uh, I think was probably asked to, mm -hmm. uh, is that that was an affirmative action hire from the jump. I mean, I'm sorry. If anybody well, because, because they wanted a woman, is that it? Yeah. And she's, uh, you know, very senior with 26 years of experience. Yeah. Uh, I've known a lot of cops and they bemoan, because, and they're older, obviously, or they're retired, and they bemoan what's happened to these departments. That it, there's a lack of quality. Uh, and if you bring in crummier personnel, you're going to get crummier results. Yeah. And that's the fact. Uh, no, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, nobody talks about affirmative action for airline pilots yet. Oh, no, actually, you're wrong. They are talking uh, about Well, the, right. It just came up. And, but somehow, that, but... I, I don't think that's going to uh, do. I mean, there have been, because if you study, unfortunately, aviation accidents, it turns out that there is a disturbing number that are caused by generally second officers, as it happens, that just weren't any good. And happen to take over flying when the, the captain uses the head or whatever it is. Uh, oh my God. And oh yeah, I mean, people don't want to face stuff like this because no. we're all supposed to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But in some instances you want a meritocracy. Of course. Uh, we always want a meritocracy if it's a real one, not one filled with hacks, yeah. now, the, especially in an area with skill. Now, there's also a story coming out of Boston, and I want to be very careful here. Very careful. Yeah. We're not going to mention the name of the institution that I'm talking about. Let's just say that it is a significant medical institution. It is one of the biggest, one of the most famous in the country, actually. Right. And I'll just let me just for the record say it is not Mass General Hospital. Okay. Okay. Because that's frankly what I thought. It no, it's not. Be. That's my hospital, and they're great. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
it is a significant place. According to the Washington Examiner and according to Jeff Kuhner, who was talking about this, and Jeff is the uh, morning afternoon host at WRKO, which is a significant radio station in Boston, 50,000 watt station. It's a, this is not some rinky dink outfit. I mean- Oh no, no, it's, it's always been a big station. Oh yeah, and he's, he's huge and he's got an enormous following and he's very good, he's very careful. He has a good team of researchers. This particular institution has decided to take the advice of two Harvard professors who shall remain nameless. Oh, I know that story. Yeah, and who uh, are one of the uh, significant contributors to this, this really, really racist and cockamamie, you know, race theory stuff. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, critical race theory. Critical race theory, what, what Governor DeSantis has banned in the Florida school system, yeah. but, it, but it's worming its way everywhere right now. Yeah. And this particular institution has embraced this agenda as a pilot program by which they are going to give preferential medical treatment to people based upon their biological orientation. Yeah, I, 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 I do remember reading that, and I know the name of the hospital. We know what I'm talking about. And, and in other words, it's... it's which, by the way, its reputation used to be stellar, but it has done a few things in the past few years that have really shattered that. But that's another story. Yeah, it is another Just story. And, and I could give a personal anecdote about something they did, but we're not going to talk about that. Okay, but, um, but here I, I have to mention one thing. Yeah. Uh, I had seen this on a couple of forums, uh, which I am on, so you don't have to be, uh, where this was raised. And I said, well, I'm not really surprised, okay? Because there's nothing more useless than an academic MD. Nothing. Now look at Anthony Fauci. Well, By it, way, speaking it, of it, Fauci, there's uh, Steve Dace's book is ripping up the charts right now, The Faucian Bargain. Yeah. It's a great expose of Fauci. Everyone in Washington's reading it. And it's number one on the, uh, it was, it went number one on the Amazon list until Amazon decides to shadow ban. It's still there though. It's great. You know, good, I mean, I'm trying to get him on the show. I don't think he's going to come on with me. He doesn't need to. I mean, he's doing, he's doing gangbusters. Well, there's a, there's a very important concept in most field of endeavor, fields of endeavor, which is called actually practicing the, trade, whatever it is. I mean, would you call in a plumber who's only been an academic plumber? In other words, he's never actually, actually been on the field. installed anything. All right. And to use Fauci as a prime example, sure. he never saw a patient uh, after residency, which ended in 1968. All right. And the trouble with these people is that they don't recognize their limitations at all. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's almost because they have no practical experience that makes them better than you. And I can tell you that my son, uh, who's involved in various aspects of medicine, including addiction medicine, and he's also uh, the medical director of uh, Arizona Public Service, will encounter people uh, who have all kinds of brilliant ideas of what to do, who've never spent a moment in the field. Uh, and my wife, who's a teacher, sees this all the time with administrators and people that think they know better. So this is not a new phenomenon, but in the case of these two Harvard guys, it was an opportunity for them to bloviate uh, based on some irrelevant uh, theory about how this affects how to treat patients, which is nonsense. And in fact, they were condemned. Well, it's worse than nonsense. I mean, this is if they're going to put people on the front of the line who are of a certain biological birth, yeah. uh, as opposed to someone else who may not be, what happens if you, you, you've had a heart attack? What happens if you need to, you know, urgent care? Well, here's what they're going to put in the back of the line because somebody else, you're not the right you know, background and, and somebody else will be put first? Well, I mean, the answer to that, of course, is Sieg Heil. This, thank you, because that's exactly what this is. This is, this is um, 
crackpot race theory. I'm going to be blunt. Uh, you know, look, I don't care. You know, maybe I'm going to be pulled from YouTube for this. This reminds me of the kind of racial, you know, stuff that was going on in National Socialist Europe. <laughs> Let's be euphemistic here. Yeah. Um, you know, during the 1930s, we may recall that our country went to war to stop this in the 1940s. This is where you have the state or significant institutions in a particular society decide that people who have one particular biological orientation are preferred over another. And, you know, do I think that, you know, there's been racism? First of all, I don't think there really has been with hospitals. I think hospitals admit everybody if, they're, if they need urgent care. Maybe there, even if there has, the answer is not to prioritize certain races over the other. The answer is to get rid of the problem. Well, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, if there were a case uh, where some poor black guy was denied treatment uh, back in 1954, uh, I'm not really sure how it helps him that you're going to deny some white guy treatment. Right. Uh, you take away the race. You know, we're supposed, whatever happened to Martin Luther King's vision of, of not being judged by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character. Well, that's not operative anymore. I mean, and this particular institution is known to be very, very liberal. I mean, are they saying that for the past, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, they've been racist in their medical treatment? I didn't know that. Well, I mean, it's it's popular for them to to say that. In other words, if you may have seen uh, in the the, uh, Simpsons, uh, Hank Azaria for many years uh, voiced this character uh, of you know, Indian, East Indian background mm-hmm. who ran a, uh, a store. And of course that's a cliche, even though it is true that many right. people from India do own 7-Eleven sure. franchises. Well, now he's apologizing. Wasn't it terrible that he did this? Well, first of all, you're an actor. That was the part that you were playing. If it's terrible at all, well, he wants to get he wants to get another job is the problem and um, he's going to be blackballed unless he does and you know it's easy for me because i you know I, I, they can't do much to me you know for, to to say I, i'll stand up to that crap i'm going to say no i'm going to reject that i'm not apologizing for anything but he's in hollywood you know he wants to he has an agent who might drop him he wants to get parts you know in television but I mean, consider how stupid this is. Of course, he didn't write the part. Oh, it's it's complete tyranny. Okay, so so in other words, if you're an actor uh, that back in in 1961 played a racist Southern sheriff in a movie, you have to apologize for that if you want to get future work. Well, you, you can't see reruns to uh, what, what was that sitcom? The um, what? Amos and Andy. No, no, no. The one with the, uh, they had the Confederate flag on the roof of the car. Oh, oh, the Dukes of Hazard. Dukes yeah. of Hazard. They can't play that now. Yeah, because nobody in the South had Confederate flags on their car. Right. I mean, just the fact that that image exists, that you can't have that now. That's banned. Well, because the and, image and, it's, and, and, and by the way, they have, they're trying to bring back slavery. I mean, it's ridiculous. But whatever. I mean, it's you know, we're talking about stuff that that is part of this, um, really, this informal tyranny, the cultural tyranny, the Kulterkampf, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Well, Goebbels would be proud. I mean, it's well, uh, sure. And, and the idea that this kind of race theory would be implemented in a in a major institution. Well, here's the thing, Joe. If, if you're a useless academic MD, and they are useless, you have plenty of time to bloviate about stuff like this. God forbid you deal with chronic disease or something actually practical. Actually helps somebody. <clears throat> They're not in that business. They, they, they I have- I mean, Harvard has a whole school of medical public, public service, you know, the, uh, which is just devoted to this. People get degrees in it. They're not even doctors. They don't even yeah. claim to be doctors. They're just administers of healthcare. I mean, this is what Obamacare is all about. These people who know nothing about actual healthcare. I mean, it's, you know, maybe this is a, in a way a trend. Like I, I recall that during the, um, the mortgage meltdown in 19, in 2009, 2008, 
I remember someone saying that a lot of this was because you had all of these new young finance graduates had degrees in finance, had degrees, you know, in um, economics, but really had never worked for anybody, newly graduated from college. And they all were given these high paid jobs on Wall Street where they would sit around looking at a computer screen all day and they'd be blipping numbers here and they'd be doing stats there and they'd be putting people's pension funds here and people's retirement there. And they really didn't understand in the real world what these things were. They had never actually gone out to a company and kicked the tires and taken a look at what was going on. What are they producing? Who are they? Who's running the show there? Meeting the owners, meeting the managers, you know, taking a look at the culture of the place, taking a look at the future of the place. They knew nothing about that. All they knew was a bunch of numbers on their computer screen. And it was because of them that the, th- there was a collapse because they didn't know what they would do. Well, that's even... Uh, uh... Karl Marx, of course, never set right. foot in a factory. Oh, yeah. I hated it. He refused. And he couldn't balance his own checkbook. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that Engels even, in, not just Engels, but others invited him. And he just absolutely refused. No. Well, I mean, I suppose you could, not to use a really hyperbolic example, but I don't think that Adolf Hitler or Josef Stalin ever stepped foot in a you know concentration camp or in a gulag. Yeah, you know, they shielded themselves from that. I mean, that was for other people to worry about. They didn't want to know. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, you know, it's like you know, the, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Um, I mean, I know maybe I'm using an extreme example in that case. But well, the other thing was that famous King Leopold's war story that we can talk about next time. Uh, you mean with the way he treated the Congo? Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe I think he was responsible for like a million deaths. Oh, yeah, there were a million deaths. And, and of course, the punchline of the story is that he never actually set foot in the Congo, didn't know anything about it at all. Uh, and I think this is a source of pride for most of these people. Mm. That that the, the, the uh, apparently, if you have a completely academic mindset, the less practical experience you have, the better, because now it's pure. Mm. Well, isn't that, doesn't that kind of explain much of our academic elite today in colleges? Of course. You know, this, isn't this the people that are running our, you know, social sciences, you know, anthropology, sociology? Yeah, well, I mean, the joke used to be in the 60s um, that that was about the time, and I was an undergrad, where the the, uh, sociology professors, the anthropology professors, started changing from wearing suits uh, to wearing uh, work shirts. And the, 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 I actually noted uh, to a classmate, much to his horror, that I said, isn't it funny that the farther these guys get from physical labor, the more they dress like these people. <laughs> what uh, an observation, that's so Yeah, it was just a, a total affectation. And uh, that's, always what it, that's always what it was. And Reminds me of when, when Al Gore was running for president, his, his advisor said, you need to wear more earth tones. You could look like everyone else. You could look like a real person, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, N- Naomi Wolf was giving him uh, advice. Yeah, there you go. By the way, she's pretty good now. Oh, she's great. Yeah, I yeah. guess she, uh, she had an epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> she try to get her on. I don't think she'll come on with me, but you never know. Yeah, well, she really came out hard against vaccine passports. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, look, it's easy for me to sit here and say that I don't think that's going to happen. But given everything that's happened in this past year, between the uh, the response to the pandemic and between the improprieties around the election, you know, I wouldn't put anything past anyone. Well, may you live in interesting times. Yeah, basically. Uh, so, and, and and by the way, to the gods of YouTube, I hope we didn't offend anybody. We certainly do. We tried our best to not, even though we don't know the exact words that go into the algorithm. We generally have a sense through the through the purging of other people and me. <laughs> 
what are the subjects that are now forbidden in this free society? I feel like I'm on the Groucho Marx show in reverse. <laughs> but if I say the secret word, I don't win any money. I get removed from the show. So yeah, well, that's we're all like in the Groucho Marx show right now. Yeah. So anyway, Mike, what do you, what do you have coming up in terms of your column? Yeah. Uh, what coming up? I sell a few ideas. I'm, uh, I'm I'm throwing around. I mean, the uh, uh, we've talked about uh, you know various uh, uh, issues with, with with vaccines and how the uh, so-called efficacy rate is calculated, which we won't we won't into. discuss. Right. Uh, uh, other than to say that it's not what you think. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Where can people read it? healthnewsdigest.com. All right. And what about your, your website? Anything new on there? Well, I mean, charlesmoskowitz.com. I have, I mean, every time I do a YouTube, it shows up there automatically. Um, I've got my books linked there. I've got my archives there. You, if you click on about Charles Moskowitz, you get links to 30 or 30, actually it's over 30 now different venues that carry this program, either as video or as an audio or both. And, uh, you know, I have a bunch of other things up there that are fun to look at. So what the heck? I mean, it's, thank you for asking. CharlesMoskowitz.com. Yeah, people should check it out. It's uh, I know you're writing content. All yeah, time. I mean, it's, it's picking up steam. I'm getting a lot of visitors and I'm thinking about trying to do more interesting things with it to make it more interactive and to people can, you know, I want people to have an experience there. So there it is. Anyway, Mike, listen, I want to thank you as always for joining me. Well, it's always great to uh, be part of this. And we'll do it uh, again. We will uh, leave you with this famous Henry Ford quote. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And another great Ford quote, I think this is from Ford Jr. was, yeah. Don't complain and don't explain. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> All right, take care. All right, we will see you next time. All right. Bye-bye.